This time on TNT. It's our annual holiday spectacular. We play the holiday hum-off. And what did Jan Arden almost steal from Anne Murray's house? That's good Canadianity, buds. And it's all coming up right now on TNT. It's the Christmas Spectacular. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. Yes. Hard to believe. What is it? Would this be like our fifth? I don't think so. I think it's like maybe our sixth or... Wow. Has it been seven years? I don't even know. It seems like a whirlwind. I know. Well, I mean, I guess I can gauge it. It was about uh, the year 2013, I think we started, because I left the band just in 2014. Are you serious? Yeah. So it was just before that. Crazy. Yeah. Coming up on seven years. It's coming on Christmas, cutting down trees. But you know what? More than uh, anything, I'm thinking about what this actually is. Is it's like, I think uh, it, because it's it really is us catching up. It's like uh, it, our friendship is kind of this podcast in a sense. Yep. <laughs> right. That's it's everything about it. So if we stop something's gone on and we don't like each other anymore true (laughs) i didn't um i didn't ever get to like exploit you for uh tickets or anything i don't know i know or i didn't get any walk on set hangs right you didn't get to like uh yeah it's fire jar in the background of a scene on mr d like there's none of that i don't know how we blew it on both those uh, accounts, but we did. Well, bo- bottom line is we still do it, and there's a future to all of those things. And it is tradition. Right? It's obviously what the holidays is all about, but I love after the episode came out last week, which was a banger, someone was it like, was guys, one. no holiday off? Yeah, so, you know, here we are, sneaking one in. We'll have to do it, it this week. Out, it works out perfectly. Like, this will come out either Christmas or Christmas Eve or something like around there. And How nice. It's perfect. It is perfect. I have found, we were talking about this sort of um, briefly last week about how I just find I am retreating to simple pleasures, walks in the woods, um, board games, fires, um, obviously family time. It it has been of great comfort to do things that, uh, you know, the people used to do. And... Obviously, when you're on the internet service, you can't help but um, be bombarded by opinions and anxiety and breaking news and stuff changing. But everything is the same when you're playing Monopoly, and I kind of love that about it. It's it's refreshingly simple. So, did I tell you I found Trivial Pursuit? Oh, you found one? Yeah. An old, a classic? Well, Or did you get a new one? Well, I got a new one. I, I was really surprised. I went to Toys R Us. And the kids working there are like, what, what is it now? I just thought for sure it would still exist. Alas, I found it on the internet. Um, it's a brand new version, but it's kids and adults. And I don't know what it says about me at this stage of my life that I'm like, I can't, I don't know if I can wait till Christmas to crack it open. It's supposed to be a yeah. gift from like me to the fam. But every but day so I'm like, fun. this is the perfect day to play Trivial Pursuit Adults and Kids Edition. Yeah, and you don't even have to get the pies going. You can just rock it, you know, straight up. Like a hurricane. Well, well yeah, like a, that's the thing, too. You, Lisa, you play jump-in styles. And, yeah, like Lisa and and her mom, like at her place, will, would always just, like, if the box is there, you just start firing off questions, you know, yeah. just for kicks. Excellent road trip game, too. Yes. But I always felt like once I got... Um, once I got like sports and maybe entertainment, I was like, well, I might as well just sit out. Um, good chance I'm not getting a geography piece of pie. And then <laughs> oh, hold. it always Sorry. happens where one person playing is like, you know what? How about you just you get a piece of pie for every question you get right now instead of waiting till you're on the actual pie deal? Yeah. Well, I I mean, uh, does it so does it have the classic questions like the really hard ones? I don't even know. I just know this yeah, version has opened it. Yeah, different questions for adults and kids. That's all I know. So uh, it's unseasonably warm here. Actually, it's 
right now it looks like we're getting we're gonna get a green Christmas because it's like plus two plus three all week till Friday. But so maybe maybe we'll get a blast on Christmas Eve. That would really be nice. But the the ice here was uh, it's just kind of starting to freeze in the last week and a half or week. There was zero ice on it uh, seven eight days ago. And there's, there's, uh, I don't know what you call them, mental giants, troglodytes, morons, idiots that have, you know, up, up for the last like three days going out there. And yesterday it was ridiculous. Like there was huge patches of water in the middle of the lake and, uh, you know, water on top of it. And there's people out there just sitting there fishing and hanging out and there was a couple of dorks skating like skating on that no. stuff sludge anyway but skating around like just doing just skating like it was you know when you see those videos of the wicked uh outdoor skating with the mountains around it and it's awesome and it's, you can you know dead of winter and beautiful this guy was like having a winter wonderland <laughs> like just thinking it was his day it was just uh Did he go unnerving. through? Uh, I don't think he went through, but like later on, I saw there was no one out there, but there was holes. I could see holes in the ice. Oh, my God. So he might have like fallen in and like gotten it pulled out and like that's the end of this. But there were, there were definitely holes in the ice that aren't, weren't fishing holes. So... Uh, it's a and, terrifying you know, notion. Well, to live here and look out there... You feel like, well, what if someone falls in and I'm in the kitchen, didn't realize, and and they're gone? You know, there's that feeling of like, it's a horrible, horrible feeling to, you know, to know like there was uh, kids that drowned in the water. I think it was like eight years or nine years ago. No, and it was awful. It was awful. They were out in a canoe, and it was late at night, and and uh, not far offshore. And they fell in the water, and a couple kids drowned. And but it was late at night, and nobody knew about it. And it was early in this in the in the year. But it it's still everybody has a feeling of man. Like if somebody was out here, would have heard screaming. You know, just a rope, something. It's so it's it's just to see people standing on ice where you're. You, you can you can tell it's soft and there's open water. It's just like come on. It's just. You can't really re- relax anymore, and uh, but uh, it's funny because now it's there's one guy out there ice fishing right now, but it's actually frozen. The whole lake is frozen now. But, but isn't it? it. It's supposed person. to be six inches thick, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, minimum. Yes, there's no way it was six it was maybe you know two and a bit probably that's so scary when you can hear the cracking i I didn't even like i said i I just was i I didn't want to go out and start yelling at people but i was that close you you almost went more (laughs) clint eastwood on them well as a responsible person how do you you know go about your day if something like that were to happen and all you need is a rope it's just stupid there's a Newfoundland filmmaker named Mary Lewis, and she made a short years ago called When Ponds Freeze Over, and you can probably deduce uh, from the title what happens. Maybe you can't. Um, spoiler alert, someone goes through the ice, and the way it was shot is the most panic-inducing. You realize as you're watching, you're kind of holding your breath while you're watching it. It's so terrifying, and oh, man, it, yeah. it really st- stayed with me. It was... Um, really intense so every time i see people there was video of kurt browning skating like on a lake but the edge of the lake he was skating on was water so it was like the first 10 feet of the lake were frozen and he was skating on that 10 feet and he's obviously one of the best skaters in the world and it was it was a delight to watch, but it was also terrifying because he's coming within seven inches of the open edge of the ice flow. Kurt. Yeah. Kurt well, gone Kurt though, you know. Somebody around there. I'm sure. As, as Kurt Browning saw, strikes me as a guy who can get out of a jam if he had to. 
<laughs> I'm sure. I've seen Kurt Browning on the golf course a couple times. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not played with him, but around just okay. like tournaments. What's Kurt I Browning like time, in the clubhouse? Is he kind of strutting like it up a, or pretty low key? Seems like a bud. Like, if, yeah, I think he's, he's all right. By seems all accounts, cool. he's like super nice guy. I'm, I'm actually, I might have played golf with him, and I'm like, I think I did actually. How could you forget uh, that if you did? Well, because I'm, I confuse him with other. Like sometimes you get those guys confused. All the skaters. Not Elvis Stoiko. You don't get Kurt and Elvis yeah, mixed up. Who, well, who, who else is there? You got your Patrick Chan. You <laughs> yeah, got your um, that, like that group, that era. Uh, yeah, like, uh, well, you have uh, Scott <laughs> Thing and and um, Tessa Virtue and Moyer. You have them. Yeah, but I'm talking about like in the '90s, Brian Boitano. Okay, oh, okay, you're guy. going outside Canada. He was an American, right? I'm just thinking. Well, because I remember seeing Browning at an American golf course, like while I was on playing, just randomly a couple times. But also Canadian. I think I played with him at a Canadian golf tournament that that Ian Leggett used to do, the Lollapalooza at the Angus Glen. I think it was, he was there. Anyway, he's a bot. If, if it's the same guy I played with that whole day, yeah, he's a super bot. I'm going to guess, between, between Boitano and Browning, Browning is the bot. I bet Boitano's yeah, a little much. Yeah. And and same for Stoico. I think I'd go with Browning as a bot over Stoico more. I remember hearing a funny story of Stoico booting the boards and buried like a guy I knew that was at the rink. Just like losing it from like not getting something right. Well, whatever it happens. Wait, wait a sec. You can't just gloss Booting over that. Board. So he kicked the what? boards after he didn't land a, a quad or something. He was practicing and yeah, like could, didn't do. And he just started a rage and started kicking the boards hard. Well, I've I've always wondered this about figure skating. Imagine how many triples you don't land before you land yeah. one. And all I can think is, ow. Like know, falling right? on like the hard ice like 60 times before you land one? I know. And you don't see both men and women, kids, they're practicing. You never, They never wore helmets. I know. Like, like it's unbelievable. I think about all the possible injuries. I know. I mean, learning how to fall, flips. I think, is one of the first things they teach you. And, like, why wouldn't you have three rolls of Charmin? in uh <laughs> yeah for the sure. back of your pants like let's just know it's gonna happen and plan for it <laughs> like why not they must now no like little kid trying to jump up in the air and spin around with no helmet on like come on but if what you look at on? i'm not uh, obviously a figure skating expert but if you look at um Elvis Stoiko had a martial arts background right and he was the first yeah. guy to kind of bring that uh, specific type of athleticism to the sport. So kicks, yeah, 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 karate kicks, exactly. <laughs> but he, he, I, I can't even say lacked finesse. But didn't they always say of Elvis Stoiko that his physical accomplishments were uh, impossible to argue? But he maybe wasn't as graceful as some others. Isn't that he was too that's tight? Because sort of, he was too mus muscular. That one. Yeah, it was like Jazz well, an athlete, and, so we're gonna spin the old athlete against. Well, he's not as flexible because he's doing a lot of those push-ups. Who <laughs> who landed the quad first, Kurt? Right. I, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Why I not? think. I'm going to the Google on that. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. It's fine. I bet. Let's give it to him. I like that when you type in Kurt Browning, here's what comes up. Net worth, wife, age, Always the family, worth, right? battle of the blades, yep. health. I love how much money I'm worth on that. You look in there and it's like, says I'm worth millions. Like, where do they come up with these things? I often wonder that too. Like, yeah, wh like wh what's the gauge? They're going into your... Like wiki links, Wikipedia taxes. <laughs> like there's um, no way. It's always so inflated. Well, I know, and especially because they must 
figure like, okay, well, he was in this band. They sold this many albums. On average, a band gets this much per album divided yeah. by four. But they don't know. Which is totally BS. Well, yeah, they don't like, know. For example, OLP sold over five million records, but we never really made anything from selling records. Really? Like actual album sales, just because of uh, the the amount of co- the cost and promotion and videos and that the album itself. For example, like Clumsy sold two million copies, and the album probably cost five hundred grand to record. Like in terms of the studio and all that stuff, <clears throat> and then uh, uh, videos. And the videos were between a hundred thousand and two hundred and fifty thousand each. And, and the band plays for that, pays for that, right? And, and no, this is all label pays for all these things. That's part of the record deal, right? Like you're you're selling that many records, or you have you know big buzz, so you're a priority. So they're more than happy to you know spend all that money, but. The, the, by the time the record comes out, you're already down a million bucks before you, you, know, you sold one of them. And then that, when you sell as you know, record deals, if you have an old school record deal, your record sales, like 100% of that, only like you get a dollar per album to pay, to pay back that million. So you're, it's impossible to, unless you're selling, you know, six to 10 million, it's really hard to recoup that money when it's just a dollar out of every hundred or out of every record going back. Okay. So, pay the debt. and a dollar an album the, was back in the day, right? That's not what people are getting yeah. now. Well, it depends on the deal, right? Like if it's a 50, 50 deal, or if it's a three sixty deal where they take a little bit of everything, including what you take from shows and merchandise and all that stuff, which in the old days, they would never touch that. But bottom line was even uh, if you were selling a lot of records, that means they were spending so much more on promotion because you're doing well, right? So it's really hard to, it was really hard to make money just selling albums. So even back in the day, merch was the sneaky move? Well, live shows and merch, for sure. That's always been, I think, since the, well, the last 20 years. Because bands haven't been, like, sitting back making money on album sales since the 70s, in a way, in the 80s. Crazy. That idea of, like, let's just make a record and chill out. You know, the songwriters, that's what that's what bands we used to get in tons of fights over that in the 70s and stuff because one or two guys was making the lion's share and no one else was getting anything. So the band was like, we got to hit the road. Would you <laughs> say probably the number one cause of band disputes was that because if one, two people have this certain lifestyle and the other three are like they have to tour to, to make money. You got that's when the the squabbling starts. Would you say most bands it's an equal songwriting split? Most successful bands, and I mean success in terms of how things go democratically, do. Like most bands that stick around, uh, split everything evenly. Because otherwise, there's just so much resentment. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah, because like it, it, the bottom line is, if you're writing a song any in any stretch and any part of that song is going on while you're in the room when it's being written, then you're an equal part of that song. You're not. Uh, it's not just because the the one person brought it in, then it's their song. Like unless that song is finished when they play it for you, like verse, chorus, bridge, everything is done then it's open for whoever's in the room creating the rest of that song to share it. And any, you know, high-end songwriter, if they go into a room with a collaboration, doesn't really matter who comes up with what, they cut it down in the middle, not just to 
keep it uh, square. I mean, unless you're Celine Dion or something where it's like, I'm recording this, so you got to give me a half. <laughs> and you wrote it all. Like, if you're like that, that can happen. Well, that's kind but, of fair uh, in a way, isn't it? Exactly. Like, I'm going to make this a smash. This is part of the deal, right? But uh, overall, if you want a band to have longevity and you're creating music as a whole and everybody's contributing in some factor, then you got to keep it even or else you're going to be breaking up at some point. <clears throat> Speaking of or golf and songwriting and millions of albums sold and canadianity i did the jan arden podcast this week yeah um right on she's obviously uh quite a gal we've talked Mm -hmm. about her before but there aren't many people that can songwrite at the level she does sing at the level she does just kind of dovetail naturally into starring in her own sitcom and you know play that character really well um so I was really looking forward to chatting with her. Um, we had uh, our moms um, both uh, died from dementia or, or mm. had it when they died. Um, I, I just had a lot of questions that I, that I really wanted to ask her. The first was, in the album Living Under June, um, June was her landlord when she lived yeah. in the basement apartment. And there's a line in the song living under June where she says, sexual atrocities are happening right over me and I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my question you was your point blank on that. Like what's going on? With yeah, line? sure. I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I asked a rare four part question. Was June <laughs> their real name? Were you still living under June when the record came out? Did she ever, like, bring it up? Like, hey, so um, about the sexual atrocities, and are you still in touch with June? So, yes, By June. By the way, can I, I got, can I guess? Yeah. There's no way it's, it's, it's really June. Can't be. That's my guess. Name-wise? Yeah. Unless Here's what she said. For lawsuits. <laughs> Here's what she said. June was a real person. That was her real name. Wow, going right. She had God. moved by the time the record came out. She said, "When I was driving by to show a friend where I used to live or something, June was outside and saw me and was shaking her fist at me. But it turned out she just yeah. wanted me to sign her copy of the record. No way. Um, and June is no longer with us. Like for me, that kind of access to someone like." Jan to ask these questions so the second question was um, you know Great Big C's Ordinary Day yeah the second verse is like Gina sings on the thing now it stops her from trying the the sentiment is it's about this girl singing and even though she gets shoved down and gets back up and it's not so bad yeah Alan Doyle said in a speaker's songwriter circle that that second verse was about Jan Arden and oh, so wow. I said, is that, is that true? And, and did you know? And she said, I didn't know for 20 years. And we were doing a songwriter circle together. And he just casually mentioned, oh, the second verse is actually about you. But I changed the name to Gina. He had read a story in the newspaper about this busker in Vancouver getting shoved to the ground and her money getting taken. And it was actually Jan Arden. Wow. Which is a pretty deep Canadianity dive. It is. That shows you the sneaky brain of Alan Doyle. Yeah. So my Very solid. my next question was, um, like, in, in my perception of her, she's hanging out with Anne Murray and you know playing Sudoku with the women from the social, and like she kind of travels in those circles. Is that true? And if so, does it ever stop being weird? And she said. It, like it's not really her life she lives in the country in alberta and surrounded by trees and space and all that um but she said it never stops being weird a couple of years ago Anne marie invited me to a charity golf tournament and she asked if i wanted to have a slumber party at her house 
So Jan was tucked in bed and Anne came to the door in her pajamas and said, Good night, Jan. That's Jan's impression of Anne Marie with her deep voice. And I said, Did you steal something? And she said, You know what? I had a shot glass in my hand that I was going to take. Um, just to say, like, this came from Anne Marie's house, but she yeah. she said, like, she gave herself a Jan Arden, stop this, put it back, kind of pep talk oh. in her head so she didn't steal it. And the, the last question that I asked her was, um, there's a character based on her mother on her show, and I asked if that was, like, kind of therapeutic or painful, having to relive what she went through with her mom every week at work. And she said the actor that plays her mom is so much like her mom. And uh, her mom was really funny. And that's not something that she talks about often. She more talks about the fact that she had, um, you know, failing cognitive issues. So to be reminded of how funny her mom was, she said, it's really kind of comforting and makes me feel like I have my mom back. Um, so she nice. she tell you anything. She's extremely mm. candid, and um, yeah, we had a really good chat. It was fun. That's great because you never know when you meet people like that that you've sort of seen and admired what way it could go. Um, but she was she was very generous with her time, and the truth is, uh, it's a radio show and a podcast, and so we'd run out of time before uh, we got to my questions. So she's like, well, I'll, I'll answer anything you want. So the radio show had to stay to time, obviously, but we just kind of rolled for another 15 minutes. Oh, this was the best one. I mm. said, in the version of this story that I tell with the song Unloved, you recorded your side and you mailed it out to Jackson Brown in the hopes that he might rip his side and send it back. And just when you'd given up hope it arrived back in your mailbox. And she said, well, that's kind of how it went down. She was working with a producer whose last name was Cherney. Ed Cherney, maybe? Do you know I, that name? I'm not. No, I don't. But made me wonder if um, there's a Canadian actor by the name of Henry Cherney, who was in uh, whatever that was with Tom Cruise all those years ago. Um, anyway, made me wonder if it was his brother. Ed and Jan not, were... Probably some legend, I'm sure. Yeah. They were ripping her record in California, and James Brown, James Jackson Brown was there hanging out. And it wasn't written as a duet. It's a beautiful song, and hard to imagine that it wasn't. Um, so this Ed Journey said, we should see if Jackson will rip it. And so they traveled to Miami to try to get him to lay it down, but he was really, really sick or something. And then a couple of days before her record came out, he sent it back, and it's... Uh, pretty iconic song now so there you go i love that stuff i was surprised how many questions i had for jan arden it basically became you interviewing her kind of like here's (laughs) like honestly though but that's how you are because you're like you, you start talking and then you think about like something about who's telling you if it's if it's like that you do it with me a lot where you're like He'll start a story and like, I forget it. What about this story with you? Well, I guess I'm, (laughs) you know what I mean? I obviously know everything about myself. I'm a curious person. So I don't know everything about you or whoever I'm talking to. She, she was, she was very generous. She said, um, Mark Forward and I did these, uh, uh, love song challenges on the internet. And one of mine was, could I be your girl? I did a Jan Arden thing. She said, you really, nailed the nuances of my voice it really kind of freaked me out a little bit and the truth is it's the first (laughs) female impression i've ever done obviously i do gourd and i've got to stop saying obviously if it's so obvious don't say it um i do gourd and and a few others but this was my first female i wanted to see if i could do it and she has such control of her voice and does all these sneaky little runs I think it also has to to do with the fact of how many times you've probably heard these songs. Like you, it's one of your probably heavy rotation albums. Some of those. Okay, I can't. I can't tell if you're picking on me. I'm not. I'm being 100 percent serious. Well, she has your music. She's in up there with horns, being away. Yeah, she is. On. So that's it. How could I be uh, picking on you at all? She does these sneaky little runs, like. I am ashes. Like her voice kind of breaks. Yeah. 
Yeah. I am Jesus. But it's the same as Stephen Page. Like, you can't do an impression of someone that you haven't listened to a thousand times. And once the people that you're paying tribute to know that's where it's coming from, then I don't see how it could be anything but flattering. In in Canada? Because it's it's Canada, man. Like, uh, we're, uh, we're terrible with our own talent. And that's what it stems from. We think... Expand you know, on that. Gr- well, growing up, <coughs> especially, especially the music business, like it's... Uh, there is a stigma attached with being a Canadian artist in Canada. And it's changing now, thank God, after decades. Um, and primarily because of Drake, because and also the hip-hop scene in Toronto. And everything else about the fact that Toronto and Vancouver... and are becoming more international as cities, and, and, and rightfully so. They have everything that, that you would want to be a great city. So anyway, as uh, Canada goes up in, in the world internationally, back then with the music business, like being from Canada was almost like, don't tell anybody. And the Guess Who had the worst time because they were basically the first to trying to break down barriers being from Canada. It was almost like... Uh, it was like a pass to not listen to you if you're from. They'd be like, "What is that even?" In like in the in the UK and in America for uh, people that play music, because they always say, "Well, who's this? Where are they from?" And with American DJs that play music, Canada would be just like, "What the hell is that?" So there was just that element, and even in the '90s, like for us and to to come out in America. It, the label was like just just keep it don't te- try not to say it as much as you can we want you guys to you know be be this kind of uh alternative rock band because there is a stigma at some levels really so keep the canadianness yeah. on the down low yeah i mean the, the tragically hip had a tough time with that too like where they would go everywhere and that's all everyone wants to talk about on the radio is once they find out, that's the other thing. It's like, it's about Canada. And all of a sudden, you're alienating alienating people that are listening to the station for someone who just doesn't get it. And all of a sudden, you're talking about uh, cultural things in Canada that, 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 that they, they don't relate to. And, it's some, and it eventually, it kind of puts you in a different box as like whatever the other song that just hurt you heard. And it's just this a stupid framing thing that, that is something that people do but even worse if you were a canadian artist uh in canada and you start uh trying to do things in other countries but the canadian press would only talk about american bands or uk bands all the good press so you they would kind of eat their own in a sense uh so it ended up becoming like you would have to uh start doing well in America, and, and boy, oh boy, when that happens, like when Starseed started banging in America, all of a sudden everybody in Canada is like, I know who these people are. We got to have them. Like everybody and their dog comes out saying, We knew you first and we were there from the ground floor. And, and it's, it's kind of gross to see the difference. And then all of a sudden, when you're on your descent, you see it happen again with like, oh, that's Canadian, or it's too Canadian, or you know what I mean? That stuff, where it's like, what the hell is that even? It's so stupid. But it was a thing, and it's kind of still uh, lingers for rock bands um, that it's something you kind of got to get past. I, I mean, at this point, it's better to uh, relish it and love it and, and just be that. Like, the Arkells are good for that they're happy to talk about it and they do it in a good way but uh there was a a long feeling of like you had to kind of wrestle your your way around it and eventually you start getting sick and tired of of talking about that first right so it's a it's a a silly stigma that that was around and it's starting to diminish but man it's 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 uh it's like if you're trying to express yourself and you're from a place and then you can't really do that because either you say something that goes the wrong way or someone takes it the wrong way on the outside. And it's like, 
wait a second, we're just trying to play music and enjoy music and listen to this song. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like, and it, this has never occurred to me before, but I feel like when I went to Toronto to work from here, I probably talked about the fact that I was from the Maritimes too much. And then I think when I went to LA, I probably talked about the fact that I was Canadian too much. And the only reason I say too much is because really, who cares where you're from? Well, no, it's when you say it, it gets taken and all of a sudden you believe it or not, no matter how you think about it, it doesn't matter what you think about it is anymore. They will judge you based on that. They'll just put it on the on the thing on their checklist. I know, which is and so weird. Like, like, I guess I probably thought it was cool or different that I was from Canada. And maybe people there are like, well, if it's so great and you talk about it all the time, why don't you just go back there? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. That's the, the you get both sides, and that's why a lot of the times American, like a, a Canadian actors that would go to America, you didn't really know, and and all of a sudden there are these stars. You didn't know they're Canadian. Yeah, yeah, I'm Canadian. It starts to be more acceptable when they're huge, right? But yeah, it's it's uh, it's those people that don't like it that actually like I don't want to hear something from Canada. Well, it's how it Jesus take the, the wheel problem. ended up being about a girl who was driving from Cincinnati when I it, Gordy Sampson wrote it. It was about Cape Breton. Yeah, I bet you he should. You know, imagine if that was the case and like it, it was more framed in Cape Breton. It would not have been written or played in in Nashville at all. Right. They would change it right there. She was driving her car and it got right icy and she slipped off the road by Wakagama. Americans would be like, what? That is song needs po- subtitles. <laughs> is there place in Is there places in that song? Like, yeah, yeah. Places? She was driving last Friday on her way from Cincinnati on a snow cold Christmas <laughs> Eve. Yeah. I've seen yeah. Carrie Underwood That's perform that song three times at the Ryman. And every time, just the Nova Scotia connection, the uh, Mother Church of Country Music, and Carrie Underwood's voice, man, that'll suck the tears out of your look balls pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, just talking about that whole Canada thing, I remember label people in America saying that sounds too Canadian. Like if, uh, I think they were one time I was talking about the Rio Statics which I love and I think are one of the best bands ever. And this this label person was like, yeah, that's just too Canadian. I guess because their accents are more prevalent, maybe. Wow. The way they sing. That's too Canadian. Fuck, fuck you, man. California Dreamline? Like, that should have been a smash in America, just in terms of, like, a great song with great instruments and playing and just... I hate that when something can't get past something because of that. Did did the Rio Statics make it across Canada? Yeah, they did really well. They, they did well, a, right? Like a huge Canadian band. Like they got, they were always playing on the big tours, and uh, they always, you know, I, sh- I think they should have gotten more play. Um, but I think they were. I don't know. I, I think they were too cool, maybe, in that regard. Like, that's what people in that at that time, they, they would probably classify them as, like, a little bit out there. But, I mean, that's why I think they were fantastic. They should have been... Uh, same with some people say Sloan should have been bigger, and I agree. They should have been bigger not only in the rest of the world, but in Canada. Like, it's arena rock. So I don't know. People take things in certain ways, and uh, I think there, that stigma might affect that in a, in a way. I am uh, I admittedly more familiar with Sloan's catalog, but I know without thinking about it too hard, I can think of like nine, uh, 12 bangers. Oh, yeah, for sure. But like Real Statics, I used to listen to them on tour. Like that was one of my favorite bands, like their records, just like uh, introducing happiness and whale music. And like those are some wicked records. Was whale music uh, associated with the Maury Chaikin movie of the same name? I think so. Yes, yes. They did this. Did they not do scoring on it as well? Right. But yes. That's a deep Canadian yeah. cut right there. 
Martin Tielli is probably one of my favorite Canadian musicians of all time. Really? Great guitar player, great singer, super talented. I got to do a, I did a, a charity thing at Lee's Palace in like 19, like 95. And he, just because I wanted to play with him. Because I was listening to them so much, I wanted to do something with him. So I put a charity show together at Lee's. And uh, we played a bunch of like Neil Young songs and Jeff Buckley jams. And it was great. It was a good time. Did you guys ever have to do any like, okay, we're going to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse with the biggest morning man in the Houston market to just try to make yeah. a good impression like DJ dinners <laughs> uh sometimes or mo- like they would be that would be more like the come out to the show but definitely uh uh dinners with like heads of record com- or heads of uh radio stations really sure. like i remember one time in vancouver we played a show at the starfish and <laughs> they, they flew they flew people out from all over North America. No way. Like K, the the program director from K-Rock. Like LA. this is Donald K. Donald? Don't mess this up? Well, mostly America. Yeah, yeah. No, not Donald K. Donald. That was another manager. There was a... It was... Uh, the great... Uh, I can't remember... I don't want to actually name the band or the the manager because he passed away, and I don't want it to give a a stain on his career <laughs> by saying this story. But it was a, a huge Canadian band, and they were about to to play their first big label uh, show. And like right before the show, he's like, "Okay, guys, don't fuck this up." <laughs> no, everybody's out there, man. Don't fuck this up. That was the pep that. talk. Yeah, and this this same guy ended up getting in like a fight with a band member on like a front lawn, like that kind of manager. What do you mean of this band that got where they got huge? Another band, no, a totally different band, like a f- literal fight in the front lawn styles, that kind of manager. Bernie would go to blows for Gord in the story we tell. Well, you kind of want to. You kind of want to hope at some point, like your manager would throw down for you. Yeah. But, like not the the. This was like a band member and the manager. <laughs> so what would have to really happen? Got back. <laughs> That's crazy. It reminds me of lots of other stories of like people. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just don't. It'll go down a rabbit hole. That's not. What? Yeah. No, I'm into it. <laughs> just this like major executive getting like beat up big time by a bouncer and like this happened going, no no you can't do that that's blah 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 from you know like the biggest company there is in music that, i guess the guy that's was a true like, story yeah he was chirping to get in no you don't know who i am and the guy's like i'll tell you who you are and starts beating the shit out of him <laughs> Whoa. Not a good look. Yeah. And this guy's like one of the biggest guys at one of the biggest companies there is. Like Masai getting shoved on his way to the floor after the raps Yeah, but won. like imagine, you know, boot, boots on the ground styles. Like you're already down and here come the kicks. Yikes. <laughs> What's the biggest fight you've ever seen break out at a concert? Where you're like, I don't know, should I stop playing? I guess that's a better oh, question. Yeah. Have you guys ever Florida. stopped playing in the middle of a song and who so decided and why? Almost every time we played a festival in Florida, we had to stop because of the King of the Pit <laughs> bullshit. You have two fucking total idiots facing each other and like the whole point is knocking people down so they just start pounding into each is other. Is King of the Pit a real thing? Yeah, man, yes. And this is like these idiots that like, you know, these are probably the parents now that were doing the MAGA boats and crashing the MAGA boats. At the, you know what I mean? Like this is the <laughs> the people that are doing that now. Back in the 90s, they were all at these festivals and the, the king of the pit thing 
was a thing. Guys just pounding into each other. And I'm like, yeah, we would stop all, like almost 80% of the time. And uh, it was like always just two idiots that are just getting out of control to the point where they're just punching anybody and hitting anybody, like going smashing into girls. And But it, it it's like, imagine... Like it's, you see two and you try to stop it, but like at a, a festival when it's 30,000 people, it's like 50 guys just being morons. Whoa. So, yeah, it's just you stop and you say, come on, or like this guy, get him out of here. That kind of stuff. So then does a the crowd turn like, on you? Like the people in the back were like, I can't see anything anyway, just keep playing? <laughs> like one of those, say it's like some uh, Panama Beach fest. Right, one of those, <laughs> and all of a, like there's like every every forty five seconds a jo- a bottle comes up on stage and it's full of piss. <laughs> like, who does that? Well, guys who are like, I'm here all day drinking beer. I'm not going to the bathroom. I'm gonna piss in this bottle and then throw it. Like that kind of. Mentality. I can't imagine whipping my horn out. Well, no, you're to pee shoulder in an to Arizona shoulder. Ice tea bottle. But no, but you're shoulder to shoulder. You can't see past down your your chest because you're packed. It's packed full of people, so nobody knows nothing. That's why you'd see people pounding like in the front row, like <laughs> like they're, that they're happened once, not. right? No, I'd see it like I've seen it a half a dozen times. No way. Yeah, yeah. Like, happy anniversary, Becky? Yeah. Or, like, I don't know if those two people knew each other before this Come night, on. Come are... on. I'm <laughs> yeah. so naive. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it was crazy. I, I went to this B44 show, and next thing I knew... Yeah. Let's not want to get pounded while I'm staring at Rain Maida. <laughs> 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 that was a thing yeah this girl from Tilsonburg next thing I knew I don't believe that's the next thing I knew I think they must have known each other right because how do you get from they met at the the bar at the getting a drink but see all I can think is well did they both have floor tickets like how does that work (laughs) you don't need a backstory (laughs) <laughs> when it's like when it's like uh spring break <laughs> i guess did you guys ever do any snow job or, or like florida much music stuff well we did snow job a couple times not it, the not the but we did like mtv beach party did stuff. you for sure it's what was that like so gross <laughs> like girls gone wild that vibes crazy super greasy yeah like playing and there's like a huge pool in the middle and everyone's just jumping in and i remember we like uh some like if we did those we would get wasted would you was like there's no yeah there's no point in trying to fight it <laughs> so you next thing you know j- rain's jumping in the pool by the end of the set no <laughs> I think that happened, yeah. Because what else are you going to do? That's what the people want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? When in brome, you got to bromance. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Because <laughs> that was like, yeah, the uh, when it was really cheesy, like early 2000s. Those MTV beach house parties and everyone just going out of their minds. Oh, I remember those beach houses. Yeah. Did you guys ever play an MTV We're Beach House? We're on the Jersey Shore! On the Jersey Shore at the beach party! <laughs> right? So which MTV VJs <laughs> did you work with? Daisy uh, Fuentes? Carson no, Daly? Uh, no, the, at the, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was always like... Those, like there was a blip like I'm trying to think like it would be like the limp biscuit days right like that era 
So whoever was there, I think Carson Daly at that point was just only did MTV Live, like in New York City. Right. He never did all the beach houses. It was always like some, like, there was like a stoner dude. It was big, tall, blonde stoner dude, like one of the, that, that, that guy. I'm sure people in America know who I'm talking about if <coughs> that stoner guy. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey. That's pretty yeah, like fun. Yeah, it was it was fun. But it, it was uh too too much like too much testosterone in that regard. Like just too much bud light in the brain. Um, uh, two things. Kurt Browning was the first person to land a quad, if I didn't say so already, which is quite a source of pride. Like, think of the physicality it requires to do that with no, like, nothing lifting you except sheer will and the dreams of an entire nation. And did you see... What? We got to get this uh, hum off rolling. I know. Did you see Eric Clapton and Van Morrison (laughs) released a song that's an anti... Mask yeah. song? Talk, talk about like, you know, he had a great run right at the end. You're going to just stink it all up. Like, why do that? Not the, just don't do that. Because they're they're idiots. That's why. And they're showing their true idiot colors. Like, why wade into the fray? No one asked. You didn't have to. You weren't posed the question in a live yeah. environment and you had to give your hot garbage take. You chose yeah, to be- do that. Yeah, because they're, they're, they want to make go tour so they can make money so they can go to Ibiza on their yachts. That's the only reason. They don't That's care. That's such a bad luck. So greasy. Super greasy. Okay, holiday hum like off. The... For people yeah, that so, have never uh, heard it before, explain the rules. Well, it can't, it's just uh, it's more a theme, right? Of, of people humming holiday songs. So yes. it could be like, remember we would do it like you're angry in in uh, traffic, and you you know you got to pick up a couple presents. Yeah, that's and, a good one. You know, that's a we've done that, right? So it's just uh, situations where where you're humming holiday jams. Okay, right? Yes. Unless I'm like, have we changed the format, or is it's it can change? It's it's variable, I think, too. Right? I think it's that. Does that's it? Yeah, that's that's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. Okay, you ready? Okay, so I'll give you one first. Yeah, okay. your uh, Carol. I'm turn, I got, I got this jam going here, rocking around the Christmas tree. I'm gonna turn it off. Oh, okay. that's a good one. Oh, Joy's having puppy dreams. Joy, ooh, pipe down, bud. Um, okay, here is your. Um, I'll give you the scenario first, and then I'll give you okay. your Carol. The scenario mm. is you're pumping gas in the small town yep. that you grew up in home for the holidays because bubble numbers are allowed or whatever yeah car pulls up at the next pump it's your buddy from high school that you haven't seen since last year christmas (coughs) and you're like we'll probably get into things later a couple stories maybe a couple drinks so you're happy to see this person ready all right your carol is good king wenceslas and i want to know listening when you spotted your buddy action (laughs) Skunk, skunk. Hey, buddy! <laughs> Ooh, do, 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 do. Hey! Oh, no, do, do. hey well, let's catch up in a minute! Ooh, do, 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 do. Hi, there you go, sir. Hey, how's your kids? What's going on? Oh, you were actually pumping gas like you worked at the gas station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice I twist. That was it. I like it. I was like, yeah, I'm working there. <laughs> I like it. And then your buddy pulls in across the way, and then you're like, oh, right. Sorry, sir. Thank you. He's <coughs> really fired up. Okay, hit okay, me so with you're, one. Uh, okay, you're, uh, you're working at uh, Shoppers. Okay. And it's till midnight shift and it's 11:50. Oh good, PM. okay. 
and uh, somebody somebody uh, somebody bought way too many things. Like at the end, it's a big, big bag, big, big, large amount of stuff. Ah, and your jam is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay. Ba-da-tum, na-da-da-tim, doo-dee-doo. Ha-ha-hum, Um. He's got these things here. Are you, uh, oh, hang on. If you're, are you paying debit? Are you paying debit? Sorry, are you paying debit? Just a couple more Yeah, just one second before you unload all this stuff. Are you paying debit? Just a few more things. Are you paying debit? Because if you're paying debit, you might as well use the self-checkout. I'm actually off in six minutes now, and I don't know that I'll have time to ring you through. I have cash. Cash. Uh, If you do have debit, I might suggest using debit just because of the COVID. Don't have it. No debit. Do you have a credit here, card? Some more stuff. Do you have a credit have card? Cash. I have cash. Do you have okay? Do you have optimum points? I have sanitizer. I'm sanitizing. Here's the cash. Okay. You know what? You know what I'm gonna do? I am going to ask you to take all the stuff, put it over on the self checkout, and I am gonna pay for your stuff with a simple quick tap of my credit card because Merry Christmas because I don't want to you know what I quit your pleasure my pleasure I quit <laughs> I'm snapping <laughs> that was a big epiphany that was a big life moment where this person was like why am I doing this wait a sec like why why am I paying 150 bucks for this person wait a sec to... why am I doing this like I don't have to I can just quit La da dum, do dee dee dee. Okay, your next one is um, trying to go with some less traditional ones. Um, how about Carol of the Bells? And you is that are the ding bangy dong ding dangy yeah. dong. Ding? Is that that one? Yes, but you're trying to get <laughs> pumped up because you're dumping me. What? You're dumping me. <laughs> uh, I'm your girlfriend, and I'm coming over for the gift exchange, and you see me parking my car and walking to the door, and you're singing this song just to get pumped up. Okay. You didn't get me a present. You know it's going to be ugly. Hum your way through it. What am I going to do? God damn. Ah, she's here. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Hi, how are you? Good. I I hope you like your present. Are you okay? You wanna sit? You wanna you wanna sit down? You can sit. Sit over there. Maybe? Oh, uh, is this part of my surprise? Okay. Do I do I close my eyes or do you want to open yours first? Uh, I'll give you one hint about your present. The gift oh, uh, receipt says Cabela's. Uh, baby, we're through. Baby, huh? we're through. Baby, we're through. This isn't what is that song? This isn't working. This isn't working. We can't do this. This had to. Do. We are through. Me and you. You. Yes, me and you. I... You and me are fucking done. You and me are fucking done. <laughs> this is over. This is done. <laughs> <laughs> the poor girl. Maybe, had, maybe he took some like PCP to get over the. He was a little bit amped. He was amped. <laughs> there is, I saw somewhere recently there should be a deadline about when you can break up with someone before a significant holiday. Like, it's true. Yeah. It, you shouldn't dump someone on the 20th. Probably. I know, but when, you, when you're not in love anymore and there's like you can't fake it. I know, but. Almost, oh, yeah, I guess. Right? But, it's almost worse. Shouldn't you wait till, yeah, I guess, because if you wait till Boxing Day, then the person's like, well, then why did you drag me through this charade? Yeah. That's it. Hey, my best 
follow of 2020 on Twitter. Yeah. Jose Feliciano. That's pretty impressive. How did that happen, do you think? I, I think, well, Strombo posted something like an interview with him because he does it for his iTunes show. Strombo has an iTunes or an Apple Music show. And he was interviewing uh, Jose Feliciano. And I was like, like salad. And uh, he followed me. I'm like, damn. Crazy. He's a bud. And this is probably one of the best Christmas jams of all time. It's Carol's favorite. I, I think it's up there. Um, Tell me another Jose Feliciano jam. I don't know any other ones. I just know this, and he's a wicked guitar player. Let's just stick with this one for now. It's not Jose Feliciano in Fargo, is it? No. Yes, yes. That's not bad, Jose Feliciano. Remember? Like, you can't go wrong with Jose Feliciano. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great You know, Jose Feliciano, scene. you got no complaints. <laughs> Waiter, what yeah, is he deaf? Steve, Steve Buscemi just crushed <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Buscemi's one of a short list of performers that I, the thought of him makes me laugh and smile. Yeah, but he's so solid, right? He can really. Oh, he's amazing. And obviously, Frances McDormand, maybe one of her best movies ever. The best. Yeah. Felice, but uh, hey. Jose Feliciano, I can't go wrong, eh, bud? He's taking us out, man. Feliz Navidad, Jeremy. Feliz Navidad, bud. And to all the buds out there, have a great holiday. To all the buds and to all the buds, a good night. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the flip for the New Year's special.